0: Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's all we're trying to do here today. is to develop and to grow in that relationship with Him. You know, we live in a society that a lot of deconstruction's going on. And I know that it can make some of us nervous. But, you know, we, we just need to chill a little bit. Um, but we can particularly chill when we look at that God is building in the middle of all of that. That in our Build series, we've begun to see that that God is using us as the framework or the framing for something that he's building here on planet Earth. Just like behind your house when you, or when you open up the walls to your house, there's framing inside of that wall that holds the electrical and the plumbing and all that and it's put together with some nails. What God is doing today with us is he's building his house. He's building something beautiful, something lasting in the middle of a world that's deconstructing. And so he wants us to get our eyes, not so much on CNN and Fox News and and all the different things that we see on social media, but he wants us to realize that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That there is no level of deconstruction that can go against the kingdom of God. And he wants you to realize that you're called to be a part of that kingdom. You're a part of that framework. And we're all held together by the nails of God's word as he begins to put us in each of our places and we become the very spiritual house of God. I loved it when the apostle Peter copied me and he said the exact same thing. He said, as you come to Christ, that was a joke, okay? I don't need anybody tweeting out. Local pastor thinks he's an apostle or better the apostle, okay. As you come to Christ, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. See, we're, we're, we've been taken from the spiritual loaves of society and, and, and Home Depot, and God is beginning to put us together to become a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are being built up into something special, a spiritual house. Something. God doesn't put himself into the NFL. God does not put himself into the Republican Party. God does not put himself into the Democrat Party. God doesn't put himself even into any particular country. But rather, he puts, him in, he puts himself into the house that he is building. And when that house is built and strong and functioning the way that God's called it to be, then all those other parts of society benefit from the greatness of the house of God. And so we're all part of the components. We're, we're part of the framework of what God's putting together. We're not just a building, we're just not a, a non-profit, we're not just a bunch of do-gooders. But he's empowered us to be so much more than this physical building. And the part that we've been focusing on is like a, a building to do what? Because um, each building has to decide, you're going to sell ice cream out of it, you're going to um, uh, you're gonna sell car parts out of it, you're going to turn it into a Target or to a Walmart. What is it that God's going to do with this construction that is called us, that's called the church, that's called you and me? That we are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And we started talking about this. A priesthood is not not some garbed out individual that that celebrates Mass every Sunday, though that can be a priest. It's not somebody that wears a pointy hat, but rather it's somebody, a priesthood is this, is those people who are people word for God and God word for people. They are the individuals, they are the collection of, of being fitted together, of connecting people in need with God and connecting God to people in need. That's our priesthood. We're connecting people to God. That's what's going on. That's our dastardly plan today. We have a secret society here at Across Town, and that's what we're doing. (laughs) We're trying to connect you to God. We're not trying to get your money. We're not trying to get you to give us a thumbs up on Facebook so that our organization will grow. We're trying to connect you to God. Because one of the things we know from Scripture, is that, I love it, it says that God walks, or Christ walks among the churches. That means today, Jesus, the Lord, the risen savior, the spirit of the living God is here in this place, and he's walking among us. That's our plan, is that God's gonna walk through here today. You say, well, this is kind of crazy. Just let me remind you, you came to a church, all right? I mean, we believe in the resurrection of the dead, We believe in angels. We believe in a heavenly father who created the universe. But you need to realize that all that was done so that God could walk among us. That whenever two or three are gathered, there he is. So let me encourage you. This is a moment when you need to just allow the spirit of God through the word of God to speak into your life. And we're going to priesthood that to you so that you can priesthood that to your family so that you can do that with others. You know, last week we looked at the illustration of the Ark of the Covenant. We looked at the, um, the Ark that Indiana Jones tried to rescue and God and all that, and we, we, we used that as an illustration of showing how the priests would carry the presence of God into different situations. And the ark of God, that box with the two wings on it and the whoo, fire coming down and, and the, you know, the manna inside the box and the, the rod of Aaron and also the Ten Commandments. We symbolize that as, as carrying, as priests, we carry the truth of God, the love of God, the provision of God, the presence of God into other people's lives. That's what we do. We bring that. Nobody else does that. Dolphins don't do that. Uh, flowers don't do that. Happy thoughts don't do that. Kind intentions don't do that. The Republican Party does not do that. We are the priesthood of God. We are the ones that carry the presence of God. And that's why he's got us doing all kinds of different jobs. We got teachers in here. We got plumbers in here. We got doctors in here. We have lawyers in here. We have all kinds of different people doing all kinds of different jobs. Why? Because God wants you to priesthood his presence into other people's lives. And so let me just encourage you that God's doing a work in all of us. So we're gonna take a look today at how our priesthood is going to be in conflict with other priesthoods. We're not the only priesthoods out there. There are other people that are serving other types of gods, if, you, if I can say that phrase, like they're, they're priesthooding something else. So the apostle Paul shows up in an incredible town called Ephesus. I mean, it's like the New York City of the ancient days. And in Acts chapter nine, he finds himself in the middle of a conflict, in the middle of a protest. Now let me just say something about protests. Protests can be a good thing, all right? I I mean, we need to realize that sometimes when protests are done right, they they can be a good thing and they can help change, um, they can change how we think about things. They can either reaffirm our values, they can challenge our values, and then promote change in the world. And the apostle Paul is going to find himself in the middle of a protest. People don't realize that we're called Protestants. You know why we're called Protestants instead of Catholics? And not that we're better than the Catholics or anything, but because we're Protestants. We, we protested against the Catholic Church back some couple hundred years ago, but we actually get our name from being protesters. So there are forms of protest that are good. And we're gonna find that the Apostle Paul actually starts a protest because he's a priest. We can't avoid the fact that when we bring the presence of God and the truth of God and the provision of God, sometimes protests occur. Sometimes the the status quo is stirred up and, and Paul finds himself in the middle of one because he's executing his priesthood. He's doing what God told him to do. He's bringing God to people and people to God. So I love this story. And all the priests of the various belief systems will emerge. It's all of a sudden, it's like a bunch of card players sitting around at a table. And everybody's starting to move chips into the middle. Everybody's got a hand. And in this story, you're going to see people sliding chips to the middle of the table. You're going to see who's really got a hand in, in, in society and what's going on. They're all going to present their God and they're all gonna present their version of truth. So we're gonna look at five different priests real quick. The first one we're looking at is Paul. Paul carries the presence, the power, the provision, truth and compassion of God right into the local synagogue. In Acts 19 verse 80 it says, and he entered the synagogue for three months and spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. See, we're told that Paul teaches, he lays on hands, he prays for these people, he rationally defends the faith. This isn't somebody who's bowing out of society, is it? This is not somebody that's kind of moving you know, to the hills and hiding from what's taking place in his culture. But rather he walks right into the synagogue and he begins proclaiming the name of Christ rationalizing the, the, the argument that he presents and, um, and laying hands on. He's making connection with people, touching them, touching them, touching their lives with the power of God, with the truth of God. See, that's what a priest does. We're called to walk into people's lives and bring with a sense of boldness, not judgmentalism, but rather with a sense of confidence, we bring the word of God, we bring the laying on of hands, meaning the, the compassion and the provision of God into their lives. We speak truth to them, we help them make sense of this thing we call Christianity into their lives. And Paul carries the Ark of God right into the middle of it and many are saved with, and filled with the Spirit of God. Wow, see that's priesthood in operation. But then in the middle of that, remember our card players are all of a sudden slide, sliding chips, Paul puts his chips in the middle, now we have another priest emerge, but this one is unnamed. Responding to what Paul did in the synagogue, it says, but when some of them, but some of them became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation. Enter the priest of skepticism. As soon as people are starting to believe in something, as soon as something is about making sense in their lives, we can't have that. So the priest of skepticism stands up and begins to speak against the way. Now, just because you're skeptical and there are many things I'm skeptical about. There are even things in the Bible I, I still kind of scratch my head and wonder how the heck does that make any sense? Or how did that happen? or I mean, being skeptical doesn't mean that you're a priest of skepticism. But that's not what happen- That's happening in the story. See, they are directing preaching against Christ. See, they're carrying their truth on their shoulders and they're carrying it in and they're challenging the truth that Paul's put out. They're priesthooding the very idea of skepticism into the lives of the people around them. It is a propagation of an unbelieving worldview. It's the ism of unbelief. And some of us are there. Some of us don't know that's the priesthood we're carrying around. Not because we don't have good enough facts or data or anything like that, because I'll put my data against your data anytime, scientifically, philosophically. I mean, I'm not being cocky. I am just, I'm confident in whom I have believed. You know, I I know who I'm carrying on my shoulders. As a priest, I know what I'm bringing into the room. And if you got better cards, I wanna see your cards. Okay, because my chips are all in. But that's not where most of us are. Most of us are just skeptic, or some of us are falling into skepticism. We just don't believe in anything. We don't believe in Trump. We don't believe in Biden. We don't believe in government. We don't believe in, you know, I mean, we're just anarchist. What the heck is anarchism? Oh, for the crying out loud, it's a belief in non-belief. It's a belief in against anything that's good to believe in. We're going we're to fight everything, but we actually have priesthood. Go into, fly into Portland and, and check out to see how the priesthood of skepticism is working out for them. But I love it. Paul continues in his priesthood. He doesn't just stop because some are in, not interested. Acts 19.9 says, And he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannius. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. See, the Apostle Paul rents out a coffee shop and keeps reasoning and teaching. It's like, okay, you guys don't want to hear it? No problem. Hey, no problem. I'm not going to violate your civil liberties, but I'm not shutting up. Okay? I'm just going to go over here. Okay, I'll go over here. You don't want me in your synagogue. I'll go over here. I'll take those who believe and we'll continue. We'll open up. We'll serve some coffee. Huh? That's interesting. We do that too. We'll open up and create a space where people can come and Jesus can walk among them and begin to develop an idea of what it is to know God. And he keeps doing that. See, he doesn't give it up. I think it's cool what Luke said. I don't know if you caught it in the last part. It says, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Um, this is one of those verses I kind of scratched my head. It's like, okay, all right. All the inhabitants of Asia heard the word of God. I mean, you consider, you, are you referring to the Chinese? You know? Uh, uh, I mean, come on, Luke, you're really, not all the people of Asia. Well, first of all, Uh, Luke may be limited on his perception of how big Asia is at this particular moment, but also the other thing is this, is that he understands the potential of cascading truth. Is that when you bring the truth into another person's life, and then that person brings the truth into their workplace, he begins to realize that systemically, Just like racism can move throughout a society, the word of God, the truth of God, the power of God, the love of God, when carried by the priesthood of of God can also change a society. And he saw that with the eyes of vision. He was like, man, this is gonna change everything. Paul is just gonna blow it up with the word of God. So continue in your priesthood. Don't let someone's disinterest shut you down. Create environments for reasoning and teaching. See, Paul said, okay, I'll go over to the Hall of Tyrannius. I think it's interesting. The Hall of Tyrannius sounds like a, you know, a medieval dinosaur or something, but the Triana, okay. It sounds like, but I don't know what goes on in the Hall. You know, what do they do in the Hall of Tyrannius? Is it a good place or a bad place? This is Ephesus. They do all kinds of crazy stuff in it. So that's okay, because wherever Paul is, the kingdom of God is. Doesn't matter if it's a Shriners or, a, or the Lazy Bee or, um, you know, where your Lazy Bee you got some shout out for the Lazy Bee. Yeah, a lot of folks here know about the Lazy Bee. It doesn't matter where you are, is that there you bring the kingdom of God. And there's exactly what Paul did. And just because your husband doesn't want to do Jesus, don't stop doing Jesus. Don't start, just don't, get, don't give up. Create spaces for your kids, you know. Create spaces for people to learn. Just because the next generation or just because somebody else doesn't want to hear, don't give up your priesthood. Don't stop doing it. Listen to what finally breaks loose in Ephesus. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were being carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Okay, that's whacked, okay? I mean, it really is. The Bible even says it's whacked. I mean, not that exact word, but it says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles. No, normally it says, and God was doing miracles. That would have been enough. So the apostles would have been, yeah, God did miracles. Now, they were even looking, God did extraordinary miracles. So it's it's like, you know, miracles squared. I mean, they hadn't experienced that before. This didn't even fit in a template. You know, they were just kind of like put a put a handkerchief on them and then take it to your mom and boom, she pops up and she's healed. Even they were blown away by what was taking place and what God was doing. But I want you to realize when you begin to do the math, Paul arrives in the synagogue and preaches for three months. Then we're told he gets rejected and he goes into the hall and he preaches for two years. Paul lived it, planted it, taught it, worked it, reaped it, but it took about two and a half years for it to take place. Can you, could you do priesthood for two and a half years? You know, two and a half years. Don't give up just because it's taken time. Don't give up just because you don't think they're listening. Don't give up just because you don't see immediate results. The Apostle Paul, you know, just don't give up because you have opposition, that somebody ke- kicks you out of the building. Don't give up because not everyone wants it. Don't give up because it moves you out of your comfort zone. You know, this is supposed to be happening in a synagogue. No, it's it's now happening at a coffee shop. But don't give it up. And know this, that when we priest the presence of God into the situation faithfully, he will show up. Acts 19.20 says, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Don't give up your priesthood. Maybe you're here today and that's, maybe that's it for you today. I mean, don't leave, but I mean, maybe that's it for you today, that that your heart is responding to, you're right, I gave up on my priesthood. Telling my kids, telling my grandkids, telling the people at work, nobody's listening. And God's like, listen, don't don't give up on your priesthood. Next, our third group of priests walk into the story. They are called the seven sons of a Jewish priest named Sceva. Okay, so here's our priesthood. Remember, everybody's sliding chips in. Well, here comes a group of seven guys that are like, hey, I I want in on this game," and they want to do their priesthood thing. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them saying, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I mean, that's a crazy story. This is the priesthood of religious pretense. Okay? These guys weren't really bought in. The Jesus that Paul preaches, you know, they were they didn't have ownership. This is cultural Christianity. This is just Bible Belt without Jesus. You know? This is this is somebody who is you know, maybe a second-generation Christian, maybe they were raised by their parents in a Christian house, and maybe you are, but you never really took ownership of it for yourself. This is a priesthood of pretense. I really look like something, but I'm not really something. I really believe in this God thing, but I'm not really submitted to it. It's not a real lordship thing in my life. I just want the power of it. I think it's interesting that, uh, that... that these men of pretense were reduced to having no clothes on. Why? It's because they were stripped of their priestly pretense. He's like, no, oh, no, you're not fooling anybody. You know, you're gonna be running around out in the street in your BVDs, you know, um, and, and I'm gonna make sure everybody realize you're not the real thing. See, and right now we're finding out who were the real thing, aren't we? I mean, aren't we finding out whether or not our, our faith is of pretense? I mean, do we have the faith to go through the flood, through the fire, through the hardship and the difficulties that are in front of us? Or are we scared to death and hiding and and, you know, just kind of in name we believe in God, but yet we're not really carrying the victory, the power, the presence of God into our lives and into the lives of other people. So immediately this priesthood gets exposed. Now the fourth priest enters the story and his name is Demetrius. See if you can guess what his priesthood is. All right, I'll, I won't tell you right off front, so I, I want you to, and how do you tell what a person's priesthood is? Listen to what comes out of their mouth, okay? So when you go to work, remember what you have to communicate your priesthood is your words. Just think about how you talk to your coworkers about how you talk to your kids, how you talk to your husband, or you talk to your wife. Just think about it, because we're gonna find out, we're, it's not some magical spirit of God, hold on, I'm having a vision, I'm, I'm discovering what their priesthood is, though I do believe in visions. All I gotta do is listen to what comes out of your mouth and find out what your priesthood's all about. Watch, we're gonna, we're gonna all have this great discerning of the spirit in this moment. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. I mean, there's a big protest going on now because of the Apostle Paul's preaching. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, that was the goddess of fertility, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trade, and he said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying the gods made with hands are not gods. And there is a danger not only to this trade of ours, many come into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be discounted as nothing, and that she may be deposed from her magnificence She whom all Asia and the world worship. Wow. Wow, Listen to that, huh? That's eloquent. You know, um, what a spiritual person. Uh, I don't think he's the priestess of Artemis. Um, I mean, I don't think he's the priest of of Artemis. Um, Let me tell you, here's what I hear him preach. Men, you know that from this business, we have our wealth. He is the priest of wealth, riches, and success. Everything he preaches in life is determined by how much money he can make, not based upon the science, not based upon the the philosophical rationality of a belief system, that this makes sense, whether it makes me money or not, but no, he's like, I am the priest of success and wealth, not that having wealth means that you're a part of this priesthood, but when you carry that on your shoulders and try to persuade people that that's the way, the truth, and the life, you're a priest of of wealth. You're a priest of success. And see, that's part of our culture. We have that around us. Make decisions based solely on whether or not it raises your salary, whether it gets you, puts you in a good opportunity. Put your, we network with people. You know, I, I remember about three months ago and maybe half, half a year ago, I'm forgetting now, it's all kind of melding together. But you know, the church finances all of a sudden went from super strong to we've been running for the last you know, couple months on just one third of our original budget from last year. One-third. That's pretty impressive. We're still here, aren't we? I mean, yeah, yeah. that's, that's a God thing right there. But look, the reason why I bring that up is this. is because preachers, preachers were scrambling all over the place. We got to do a tithing series. We need to preach on giving. We need to do blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like we need to, because we make our money from this trade. And I thank God that that, that panic, that mentality never happened to us here at Crosstown. But you know, it happens to preachers, it happens to doctors, it happens to plumbers, it happens to, to roofers, it happens to all kinds of people, that we follow the priest of profit. That whatever they say, it's going to be good. You know, um, some of us are going to decide our next president. Not on the abortion issue, not on the issue of equality, not on, not on issues of uh, of national defense or strength, or we're just gonna, who's going to make my 401k grow better? You know, just a thought, I mean, just a thought. Let me just, that's really, so I want you to listen to the result of the priesthood, Demetrius, and this is really interesting. In Acts nineteen twenty-eight, 28, when they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion. You see, it doesn't get really bad until we get jealous about the stuff. That's when it gets bad. Okay? That's when Americans get ugly. It's about our stuff. This is when the protest really heats up, not on the philosophical side, not on the, you know, anything about Jesus or anything like that. As soon as you brought money into it, it really gets crazy. You see, our lives and our culture respond to the priesthood we value the most. Also, I want you to notice the different kinds of impact you can have through your priesthood. I mean, we're seeing them unfold. Because you may be a priest of the, of the wrong God. You know, you may really be in the, in the wrong camp. You know, you can bring peace, truth, healing and love. Is that, is that what you bring into the room? Do you bring doubt and fear into the room? Do you bring enragement and confusion into the room? Whenever you come, you, you bring this contentious spirit and is it seated out of, out, of, out of anger or unforgiveness or jealousy or what? I mean, all kinds of things. What is your priesthood? And then now the last and final priest that we'll talk about today. This one is the real priest of Artemis. Though it's interesting that he's working as a government official. Acts 19, 35. And when the town clerk had quieted the town, the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple and keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky. I mean, this guy is a, he's a theologian. He knows the story of what he believes in. Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and not do anything rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious or blasphemers of our goddess. See, he quiets the crowd by restoring their faith and allegiance to Artemis. He is the priest of cultural values. He reminds them of what we all believe. And it's like calm down and he just, whatever the cultural God is, this is that voice that speaks into their lives. You may think that Paul failed. I mean, it's like, wow. They've kicked him out of town, they've driven him out of the synagogue, and now they're having to quiet things down. It's like, wow, Paul failed. Here's what I need you to know before you leave today. The world will always choose which high priest they want. That's not your failure, okay? Our calling is to bring the opportunity and the choice of God into their lives. And whether we do that or not, that's our success and our failure. You know, just because the world rejects Paul after seeing extraordinary miracles, not just miracles, but outlandish miracles, and they still reject him, doesn't mean that Paul failed. You know, I think it was C.S. Lewis said that hell was not created just because God's vindictive, but hell is really a monument of God's respect for the free choice of mankind. He's like, he respects your free choice to follow what you wanna follow so much, he will create a monument to your choice. And so, your spouse may not ever respond. Your work may not respond. You may constantly put it out there and people are constantly rejected. That's not your fault. That's not a failure. Where the failure happens is when we choose to not bring the priesthood of God into every situation that we live in. See, where Paul was, there the kingdom of God is. And every life and every city and every home is filled with spiritual priesthood. Even if you're not a spiritual person, Ephesus was a mosh pit, a swirling activity of of priests. And we're living in that culture right now. All kinds of ideas, the priesthood of, of, be the best version of yourself, be your own truth. Be a priest to you. That's outlandish. You're the ark and the priest. Carry yourself on your own shoulders. But there's all kinds of mosh pits going on right now, and, and all of us are seeing them swirling around us, and, and we need to realize we're in a realm of spiritual activity. So in closing, what priesthood is prevailing in your life? Whose priesthood is prevailing in your life? Is it Netflix? You know, is it CNN? Is it relationships? Is it Fox News? Is it cultural acceptance? Is it your iPhone? Is that what you're priesting around? Is that whatever this thing says? That's what I'm carrying on my shoulders. Let me ask you whose ark are you carrying? Boy, that's a strong question. Are you carrying God's ark? Or are you carrying skepticism, and I think skepticism is one thing, but religious pretense is more damaging. It really is. If you're not bought in, I'd recommend you put the ark down. Seriously. Because we we got stories of what happens when the wrong people carry the presence of God, people who are not really bought in. But are you really bought in? Are you following or carrying the ark of success? or some other cultural God. So who are you allowing to priest your mind? Who speaks? Is it the the city clerk? Is it Demetrius? Is it the unbeliever? Is it the seven sons of Siva? Or is it the priest of God, the spirit of God, the truth of God, the word of God, the community of God? And then last, let me ask you this. Who are you allowing to priest your family? Let me ask it this way. Who are you allowing to priest your 13 year old? Well, they got their own computer and she just goes in the room and she shuts her door. Are you? Oh God, you know what I'm saying? And I didn't have to say a thing. You're gonna, let, you're gonna let an iPhone priesthood your 10 year old? Well, they all have phones. Let them all have it. It's like, go ahead, just let me. You're gonna let Netflix priesthood your family? You know, you're gonna binge watch on something that's just gonna priesthood your children in, into a different kind of society? So God really wants to challenge us whose priesthood is controlling our mind, and whose priesthood are we carrying on our shoulders? And did we give up our priesthood because nobody listened? Well, the world's listening. If there's a protest happening when you open your mouth, it's working, it's working. I mean, Luke says he's turned the world upside down. The other commentary says, oh, this world is all in confusion. Sometimes when the truth interacts with a unreceptive society that's exactly what it looks like but we don't stop heavenly Father. As we enter into this moment of expressions whether it be through prayer whether it be through communion through worship through giving this is a time when we come back to our priesthood this is a time where we evaluate who has been priesting my mind Has it been a political party? Has it been a personality on TV? Has it been a, a show that I've been binging? Is it somebody I'm dating? And God, who have I been allowing Priest? my family? Have I just given up and just let the kids do it? It's too hard to argue, it's too hard to fight. It's too difficult. She's not listening. Father God, help us today to create spaces for your kingdom to come because you are convinced. You are convinced that where we are, the kingdom of God is. Help us become convinced of that. Help us to realize that we bring your presence into the world around us.